pray that you had a good week um, and that maybe um, from what I shared last week you might have had opportunities to encourage uh, those who you know who are teachers and preachers of the word. Um, I thought I'd just like to just really start from where I was last week um, just by reading Psalms 25. One of the things that I mentioned last week was about um, preparing our hearts, preparing the soul of our hearts to receive God's word and we can do that in our own lives um, and I thought I'd just read a very short passage just from Psalms 25. As we've already done today, um, being still before the Lord is a wonderful thing, allowing his presence and his joy just to fill our hearts and just to prepare ourselves to hear from him. So maybe we could just close our eyes, maybe we could just still our hearts just for a few more moments um, as I just read this part of Psalms 25. Make me know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, Remember me, oh, for the sake of your goodness, O oh God. Father, I thank you that you are good, you are upright, and you instruct us, Lord, in your ways. So I pray as we come now to read your word and to hear from you, that you would instruct us, teach us, help us to grow by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's a joy to share two weeks in a row. I think often when you get the opportunity, you don't try to cram everything that God's maybe been telling you into one week. So hopefully um, what I share today will just be a bit of an expansion on what I shared last week. Um, for those of you who are, who are new or haven't been around for the last few weeks, we have been studying the book of Galatians, which is a study of our freedom in Christ. What has God done to buy us our freedom? And what we don't have to do uh, to try and get right with God. We don't have to follow rules. We don't have to follow a religious code. We don't have to be good people who toe the line in church. God has called us in Christ to be free. So God has called us to be free from the moral code. He's called us freedom from sin and death. But this morning I want to bring us just another aspect of what God has called us to. So God has called us into freedom from something and things but God has also called us in freedom to do things. And what we're talking about today is the next part of Galatians 6, which talks about good works. Um, I pray today would be encouraging. I pray it wouldn't be in any way condemning, because that's not my intention. I think sometimes when we talk about good works in church, it's often about getting busy, getting into activity, and we often forget, actually, we... The heart and the source of what causes us to do good works is Jesus. It's his death, it's his resurrection, his good works first to us. And out of that, what he's done in our lives, the good works flow out from our lives. So that's, that's just the beginning of Galatians. It's all about that, what God has done, what good work has God done in our lives. Despite of no goodness that we have in ourselves, God has done good work to us. And now we have the ability and the heart change and the transformational power of the Holy Spirit to help us into good works in our rest of, for the rest of our lives. I just want to remind us of um, 
what Paul says earlier in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. Um, it's a summation, really, of what I've just said. It's God saving us and freeing us from sin and the law, but now freeing us to live for something more than ourselves. Galatians 2.19 says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, that's Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know how many times we might have read that and that has just grabbed our souls, that has just emphasized the, this position of our hearts where we love Jesus. He is the one who we live for. We've declared that this morning, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. I don't know how many of you have had that experience in your Christian walk where there's these mountaintop experiences and maybe it's been today where God has just reaffirmed your desire and your love for him, to live for him alone, to place him as the one who is, you know he has loved you and you just want to love him in everything that you do. You might not know how that works. Uh, you might not know the tangible ways that might pour out in, in, in what you physically do or say, but somehow in your heart you just long to see him glorified. You just long to love him through your actions and your deeds. And I'm sure we've all had that experience where we say, yes, this is it. I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to do something. But Galatians says something which is quite disturbing. And we have to also take note of this, that uh, we can get weary. The Christian walk does have those places where we feel amazingly set apart for God. The word in the Bible is holy, set apart for God. But yet somehow in our walks, in our journeys, there are times where we go from these top mountain experiences, these high places, into valleys. And we just think, how did I get from this place where my dedication was this, but yet in my life I see my actions maybe as this? And again, I'm not trying to condemn anyone this morning. My heart is to use the book of Galatians, the chapter of Galatians 6, to encourage you what it means to persevere in this Christian walk, what it means to not give up in good works for the sake of Jesus. Let me just read verse 8. Uh, so we're looking at Galatians 6, verses 8 to 10. I'm just going to read that for us. Um, feel free to follow in your Bibles. Um, we're just going to pick out a few encouragements from this portion of the Scripture. So Galatians 6, verse 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. For then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So I want to start this morning by just affirming something in you. You are called to good works. You are called to do good, amazing, beautiful, sacrificial, God-glorifying things in your life to bring glory to Jesus. That is an unmistakable characteristic of what the church is. 
it is a place of goodness, where goodness flows from. Um, we are created, we are formed, we are saved in Jesus from sin, but for good works. Uh, Ephesians 2 says this, we are his workmanship, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So there is a sense that your salvation was purposeful. Your salvation was for a reason other than just freely meandering through the rest of this life, singing songs to Jesus, but yet without any actions or deeds. There is something about your salvation which actually says you are saved from something, for something, so that it will bring glory to God. And there were things that were prepared beforehand. There weren't accidental things that suddenly you will just trip over and land into. There are things that God has ordained for your life. And I want that to be an affirming thing for you because I think even in, when I consider my life, sometimes I don't know the direction of the Lord. I don't know what he has next to me. But that is a step of faith to say, yes, God, I believe in this promise that you've saved me for good works, for a mission, for a purpose which will bring my joy and bring glory to you. So if you are here in this place this morning, and just as a starting point for looking at Galatians, if you feel that you're in this valley, in this place where, what does God have for me? I'm not too sure. Am I even desiring good works for the Lord? I just want to affirm you that God has a plan for you. He's a good, promise-keeping God who will take your life and use it in amazing and fruitful ways for his kingdom. Don't give up. Keep working towards good works. Be encouraged that he has a purpose for you. So that, just that baseline to work upon, that God has a purpose for your life, I just want to share three encouragements from the book of Galatians. And they go in verse 8, verse 9, and verse 10, thankfully. So the first encouragement is um, to keep us on this track of pursuing God and good works for his name's sake. The first encouragement I want to bring to you to keep us persevering in this walk is to keep on sowing to the Spirit. Keep on sowing to the Spirit. What does that mean then? Verse 8 says, For those who sow to the flesh, well from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, well from the Spirit reap eternal life. So here Paul presents two ways to live. There is a way in which we sow to the flesh, um, and I'll expand a little bit what that means, and there's a way in terms of which we sow to the Spirit and we reap spiritual things. We're presented with this choice. How will we live our lives? How will we operate each day? Will we operate in our own physical uh, abilities and our own trust in ourselves? Or will we operate in a way in which we say, Holy Spirit, help me move in my life. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to pursue you and listen and obey in the things that you're calling me to. We read, read already and, and um, Anson a wonderful job earlier in Galatians. Galatians 5 says, Walk by the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So if we serve and live by the flesh, which means essentially in Galatians that we rely on our own abilities. We think we know the way in which we shall walk rather than trusting in God and walking in obedience. Then it says that walking in that way will lead you away from doing the things that you really want to do, which is to glorify God. By walking in the flesh, we will 
not fulfill this calling in our lives to do good works for his glory. We may do good things. No doubt people are doing good things in this world. But in glorifying God, the heart is always sow to the spirit and you will reap things that are eternal, things that will matter for the kingdom. I just want to quote um, something from, from a preacher called John Piper, which has encouraged me this week on what it means to just tangibly in, in our lives sow to the spirit. And this is a real uh, helpful quote which, 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 which affirmed me this week and how I operate in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you get up in the morning and feel a deep need to be full of the Holy Spirit? Do you get up in the morning and feel a deep need, a deep longing to be full of the Holy Spirit? To be empowered by His Spirit for your day? Or will you get, will you get up and do you feel that there's no time to seek His fullness? And besides, it's a pretty normal day. Nothing tangible, nothing major is happening. I'm not preaching, I'm not doing anything particularly spiritual today. I don't think I need much help. A prayer on the stairs will do. So is our attitude one of where we have dependence on the Holy Spirit? Or do we wake up in the morning and we feel, actually, I can just run in this life in my own strength. Nothing major is happening today. Because the thing is that what the Holy Spirit is there for is for us to find our full dependence in Him and not to find independence. The Christian walk is not one of, I'm independent now, but it's actually one of full dependence and growing dependence on the Holy Spirit. John Piper summarizes it as this, is your life a set of prayers on the stairs on your way out the door, or is it pleas on your knees at the start of the day? Do we realize that actually without the Holy Spirit's dependence, our lives will, will ultimately run into weariness? So the first encouragement is keep on sowing to the Spirit. Pray for dependence and not independence. Sowing to the Spirit means that we place all our dependence, everything into this pot, which is God and not ourselves, and He empowers us for this living. So encouragement number two, to keep us working and persevering in good works is God's sovereignty, a knowledge of God's sovereignty a knowledge that God is in charge, he has a plan, he will fulfill it in his own timing. Verse, eight, verse 9 of Galatians, reads, uh, of Galatians 6 reads, In due season, do not, sorry, do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Last week I used this in the context of preaching, that in, in, in preaching the word of God we are to sow, keep sowing, keep persevering in preaching faithfully, and in time, God will make a difference. God will transform people's hearts. God will make his word bring, us, bring forth fruit. But it's also true for our lives in terms of good works. Some of us have been serving in different areas, and maybe we're thinking, what am I actually doing? What am I actually doing? How am I con- continuing to serve these youth, or how am I continuing to serve these teenagers, or um, these elderly, or, or whatever the ministry may be? Maybe it's a friend at, at work where we're just praying consistently, Lord, would you give me opportunities for this person? God's encouraging us that there is a season of planting. There is a season in which we will keep pouring in an effort, an energy, a uh, a time, money, investment, everything pouring into this pot. There's a process of that. 
but in God's fullness of time, there is also a time where we will reap fruit. That is a promise that we have to hold on to, and the only thing we can hold on to is God's sovereignty, that He is in charge, and in good time, He will bring about that fruit. I don't know about you, but that gives me perseverance, doesn't it? Because if I'm called into doing good works, if I'm called to do something for Him, and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, and I'm obeying, keep pouring in, then yes, there will be fruit. And maybe it won't be in my lifetime, but there will be fruit. And that's what we cling on to. A good God who is a promise-keeping God. So the challenge for us is not just to do good works, but it's to hope and trust in recognizing the Holy Spirit's leading towards good works. If the Holy Spirit wants us to do something, He will prompt us. But the question is, are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we sensitive to that? I know you hear it sometimes. I haven't got any amazing giant stories. I love to share kind of giant big stories of what God's doing around the world and how you know, this might be illustrated. But actually, I think many of us who are Christians already know the still small voice of God. We already know maybe his prompting on the street. For me, I've been walking past, um, on my way to work, I've been walking past um, an increased number of beggars on the street. Just for some reason, my route to work is suddenly, I've been counting two, three people who are begging on the street from Kentish Town to Camden as I walk to work most days. And there's something in my heart which is just going, hmm, God, if you were here, what would you do? And there's just something about that. And the question is not how much of their money they need, but am I willing to respond to the Holy Spirit who is in me, working in me, wanting to do good works through me for his glory? So that's a challenge for me. And for you, it may be something different. It may be um, your, your children, something that you know you need to do or uh, you need to address them in some way. Maybe it's your workplace where there's somebody who you know just is needing encouragement. Maybe it's someone in this community whom God has just placed in your heart and you think, maybe it's just a text. Because I believe it's small acts of obedience that lead to wonderful things because God isn't interested in how much you can do for him. I think God's interested in how little you do and how he expands it and makes it grow. That's the glory of God, taking our small seeds of obedience and faith and doing extraordinary things out of them. So the challenge is recognizing the Holy Spirit's prompting, carrying out small works of kindness in faith and obedience. And you know what? That takes trust. It takes courage. It sometimes looks foolish. It sometimes would inconvenience you, to be honest. But that's what obedience is, isn't it? It's doing things in obedience, despite what the cost is. So number one, encouragement I want to bring to you. Keep on sowing to the Spirit. Number two, trust in God's sovereignty that he will reap a harvest in due time. And number three, verse 10, we are planted in God's family. As we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. The word household here is the word family. We are planted in a family. Now, take, this is a little bit off piece, but the context of this verse is that we are not called just to do good works in this place, in this church, in a family. It's sometimes 
actually it's not sometimes easy, but in your own little family, you know, Sandra, your family is Clive and Matt and your, your, your daughters, and it's easy, isn't it, sometimes to do good works because there's a common love and exchange and reciprocalness in love between you. And God's God-given, and that's good, and we want to nurture that, isn't it? So in your family, there is a sense of love that you already build in your community. But we're not restricted just to love in the church. We're supposed to start in the church, start in our families, start in our marriages, start in our children. And from that, we're called, from that as a starting place, to serve and to love and to serve this world, to do good to all as we have the opportunity, especially those in the household of faith. And I wonder why Paul puts that in. Why does he not just say, do good to everyone? Why does he not just say, go out to the world, serve everyone, love everyone? And I think there's a few good reasons why Paul especially emphasizes the church as a place in which we start providing opportunities and serving people. John 13 says, a new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. So as God has loved you, the heart of what he calls you now to do is to love one another in his family. By this, this is where it comes, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. By you loving your family, your church family, by you investing in the people in this place, the community that God has brought you to, then you are fulfilling something. You are fulfilling a mission that God has already ordained. That if you have love for another, people will know that you belong to him. That love for your church and the people in this place is a hallmark of Christians. If you're not part of a community, if you're not serving and loving and sowing into this community and that God has given you, then there's something I would say that is missing within the Christian walk, within your Christian walk. Is it easy? Sometimes church, I don't think, is the easiest place because there's an expectation. There's a sense that, I'm, yeah, I know I'm supposed to, but they're so different from me. I know that Anne's been, in the beginning of this year, encouraging us to just break out of maybe a mentality that we may have of, uh, of, of sticking to our own type of people or sticking to a preference or a life stage of people that we're associating with. But this is what love is. Love is a community working out what it means to live and to honor and bless each other. Love is not limited to just emotional sentiment. It's not just associated with this, oh yes, love is a good idea. Mm, I feel it, I, I believe in it. But actually, James, Paul, all the, all the New Testament writers always emphasize the fact that it's not just about sentiment and feeling, it's about action and deeds as well. It's sentiment, love, affection, associated with good deeds, good works. So the disciple John, in John 1, in the book 1 John 13, 16 says, By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has, the, has worldly goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does, God, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Anyone has worldly goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Surely as the church, who we have experienced the love of Jesus, 
and which we've been celebrating this morning, his love for us, his goodness to us, how can we not love our brothers who have experienced the same love? How can we not reciprocate and build upon and pour out this love that God has placed in our hearts? We are a people of, who know the love of God and we're people who are called to lead to practical loving actions. So there we go. The encouragement is that we are planted in a family where we should be experiencing this corporate uh, unifying love of Christ. It's a place where we come, and we've mentioned it so many times, that this is a place where we come in, where we get encouraged, we get built up, we get to worship together, we get to share life together. And from this place, from this place of encouragement and, 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 and assurance and, and friendship, we get to go out to this world and serve this world through loving action. Could you be a person in this church who is a person of encouragement? Could you be a source of fulfilling this truth that we are called to love one another and then loving the world? Would you be a source through the Holy, which the Holy Spirit uses to encourage somebody in this community today, tomorrow, next week, week after? Is the Holy Spirit going to, He will lead us into people who we can bless, pray for, encourage those who are disillusioned, those who are seeking. Will you be a person who the Holy Spirit will use to build up this family and to serve the world? Just another question, and Anne's touched on it already this morning during our prayer time. Could this church, this church I think, for anyone who's come in this place in the last few years, or at least the last two and a half years which I've been here, the common comment is always, it's a friendly church. People are so friendly here. Such a welcome. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I don't know how many of you have experienced that in this place. Probably those of you who stuck around. Um, <laughs> um, but can we go beyond just friendliness in this church? Can we go to beyond just, how are you doing? It's good to see you. Welcome. You know, there's all good things, but they are a starting point for deep friendship and fellowship and partnership a partnership of the gospel in which we say you need me I need you there is a mission out there to love and serve this world I need encouragement maybe I'm struggling in sin maybe I'm in despair maybe I'm in a valley right now I need people who are at this other place to build me up and to take me to where I need to be and to come with alongside me will we go beyond just a friendly church to be a church of friendships and fellowship. So that's our encouragement to you. If you're in a place this morning where there's just something in your heart, you're saying, yes, God, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but the life I want now to live is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If that is your desire, come into this place, give yourself to this community, be part of this family, that the Holy Spirit in, in, enrich all our lives, enrich all of us so that we can follow his still small voice and encourage and bless each other. Would you trust in his sovereignty? Maybe you're in a hard place right now where you're, you don't know how God's going to just bring breakthrough in maybe a situation, a friendship, a relationship. I don't know any of your, all your situations, but we can bring that into the family. We can share it with a close set of friends in this place. We can share our heart. We can share our struggles. 
We can rely and push each other to rely on the Holy Spirit. We can speak promises over each other, saying this is the sovereignty of God. He will fulfill his promises. You're not believing right now, but I'm believing for you. I'm trusting God for you. I'm alongside you. That is what the church is, a place where we are built up, encouraged, and the Holy Spirit will do his work. That's all we can do is trust in the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. And all we can do is act in faith and obedience. So I was going to just ask you this morning, do you need your calling affirmed this morning? Do you need to realign yourself and say, this is what God has called me to do again? Good works. Maybe you're tired this morning. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're frustrated with lack of fruitfulness in your life. I pray the starting point would not be, do more good works, beat myself up. I pray your starting point would be repentance. Help me, Lord. I need your dependence. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your family to be surrounding me. I need encouragement. I need the cross. I need to focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Consider him who endured such sinners, such hostility against him, that you will not grow weary or faint-hearted. Maybe that's your starting point today, and it's maybe just a bit of silence that you need. Maybe you need to ask somebody in faith to pray for you. Help me. I'm in this place. Lift me out. Use me, Lord. Maybe for some of you, it's a realignment for the Holy Spirit. Maybe it is I've been making my prayers on the stairs as I'm going out, rather than on the knees. Please, on the knees, saying, Holy Spirit, without you, I can do nothing. I can do some things, but I can't do anything that would bring you full glory. I'm relying on myself too much, but I need dependence on you. Maybe that's your position this morning. And maybe for some of us, we just know there's something we need to do. And it takes courage, obedience, and faith. Step out, trust God, do that bit of good work, and see him bring fruit in his due time. I want to close with just a a poem. I didn't write it myself. (laughs) I'm not a poet. But um, it's it's a call to the church to realize that we have one life one life to make a difference for Jesus. One life. And how will we live this life? So it's a poem by C.T. Studd. And um, John Piper often mentions it in his book, um, Don't Waste Your Life. I'm just going to read there's about eight different verses, but I'll just read four of them. One life. One still, small voice. Gently pleads. For a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. One life, only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
only one life, yes, only one. Let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear his call, I know I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burning out for thee. Father, I pray that this morning we would feel your Holy Spirit prompting us. I pray, God, that we would recognize that in this life that there is only a few short years which we will live. But I thank you that your kingdom is eternal, that the things we do in this life, the good works that you've called us to do, that you've ordained before even our salvation, are things that can make an eternal difference. Father, I pray for anyone who's discouraged this morning, who feels that they're in that valley, a valley where your, your agenda is not the top of thy priority right now. I pray, Lord God, for a realignment. I pray for a gracious and kindness to just overflow them right now. That Jesus, your love for them would just burn through and their call would, Lord, just be to really align themselves again. Thank you, Lord, for your calling on your church that this place right here, Forest Town, is a place where friendships are built. A place where people are built up and encouraged week on, week out. That lives are shared. Fears are shared. Troubles are shared. But also, Lord God, your encouragement comes. Your truth reigns. And perseverance rises up again. Lord, I pray that we would be people on our knees. Not prayers on the stairs, but pleas on our knees. Holy Spirit, receive God just our surrender to you. And Jesus, we just look up on you. We recognize again how you have served us on the cross. You've taken away our shame. You've taken away our sin. You have freed us, Lord, from all chains. And thank you, God, that you've saved us for something too. You've saved us for good works. You've saved us, Lord, for our joy and for your glory. Come, make our joy fulfilled, Lord. As we carry out good works, may we experience fruitfulness in this lifetime. May we see people come to know you. Would we see friendships built, marriages reconciled, children brought up, families repaired, salvation flowing from this church to the world. We trust in your sovereignty. We trust in your promises. Lord, we respond as we take communion this morning. Would our hearts just realign, God, again to the work that you've done on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood was shed for us. Your body was broken so we could experience freedom. And thank you, Lord God, that you fuel us by the power of your Holy Spirit as we take communion this morning. Do we remember, Lord, would we cast aside every weight, every chain that would weigh us down and we would take hold of Christ and all that he has for us.